Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, y'all, and thank you so much for tuning back into another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is my special guest, Dr. Susie Dean, and here's a bit about Dr. Susie. She is a mom-turned-entrepreneur. She helps moms get unstuck and find great fulfillment in their lives. She is also the founder of the Mom and Like a Savage Club on Clubhouse and Facebook. She founded this club to provide moms with a community of other moms that they can look for support and guidance. Dr. Susie was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, but realized that she lost herself somewhere in that motherhood journey. She shares her perspectives on parenting, marriage, social issues, and various life lessons she's learned on her blog and podcast, which can be found at www.susietalk.com. Dr. Susie's mission is to empower moms and help them find and pursue their purpose and passion outside of motherhood. She recently launched a lifestyle brand called Like a Savage, which embodies that message of empowerment. And you can find her lifestyle brand at www.shoplikeasavage.com. And today we're going to be talking about motherhood, marriage, and really having self-care. Just because you're a mother does not mean you need to lose yourself. You can have it all and you'll find out why with Dr. Susie. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Susie Dean. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Genesis. My pleasure, Dr. Susie. And I want to Um, give the audience a chance to connect with you a little bit further. So I'd like to do that one or two ways. The first option is we could do an icebreaker up front or the second option, we can play a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go icebreaker. I don't know how good I am at rapid fire. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. So I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. And we're breaking the ice with Dr. Susie. Okay, well, um, not everybody knows this, um, but I'm adopted. And so I immigrated here from Korea when I was four and a half and I was raised Jewish. So, I'm an Asian Jew, (laughs) so not that common, I guess. And yeah, I guess that's a kind of interesting fact that not everybody knows about me. Another thing that I, that comes to mind is um, I make kind of elaborate birthday cakes and it started with when um, I just started making a homemade cake for my daughter when she turned one and every year it's just gotten more complicated and elaborate and you know I've made cakes that look like Pikachu and you know 10 tier (laughs) beach scene (laughs) all kinds of crazy things so I've gotten to be a a cake decorator in my motherhood journey (laughs) 
That is amazing, both fun and interesting. So for the first one, I have a follow-up question. Have you ever tried to seek out your biological parents? I have not. The um, text, oh, I'm so sorry, my dog. Um, the backstory is that my biological dad had died in a tractor accident and that my biological mom could no longer like, like support me. She didn't have the financial means. And um, I have not tried to track them down. It's just kind of that it would be in Korea. I would need a translator. There'd be a lot of research involved. And then I think about the fact that, you know, I've been told kind of this nice story about the fact that, you know, she wanted a better life for me and, and that I was the only child. And I'm a, a little hesitant that I would find out that that was not the story <laughs> that and also once you do develop these relationships then it's like you don't just drop it from there all of a sudden it's oh my goodness now I have to go to Korea every couple of years or I, I should send money to them because they're you know much less well off than I am and it, there were just so many factors and then for many years I was concerned that it would um, hurt my my adoptive mom's feelings you know considering the fact that she has been my mom all these years. But anyway, so lots going into that, <laughs> that decision-making process. Thank you for sharing that. And then the second part is with you being a elaborator, um, cake decorator, have you seen the show? Is it cake or sugar yes, rush? Definitely. <laughs> yes, uh, the kids, my kids and I have really enjoyed watching that show. It's really cute. And um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And my, um, yeah, it's really a fun show. And they're like, you should be on there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm not that good. <laughs> That's what I thought about whenever you said you make uh, cakes that look like certain things. I was like, oh my gosh, she should go on that show. <laughs> yeah, no, it takes a really high level of skill. Um, I feel like I should pull up a cake picture for you to see, but I'll, I'll do that later. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for just sharing those um, fun and interesting facts, because it also gives the audience a sense of who you are outside of the topic that we're going to talk about. So we're going to spend time talking about marriage, motherhood, and just really self-care, because sometimes moms forget that, you know, they are a mom, but they also have other responsibilities like being a wife or they may be running a business or um, they have a full-time career in addition to their spouse and they're trying to do everything, but then they fail to take care of who matters the most and that's the, their self. So walk us through your background and what really led you to be an advocate in this space for other moms. Well, so I, um, I've been basically a stay-at-home mom for the past 11 years now, and um, I was really trying to be, you know, like the best mom I could be, you know, so I come from a little bit of a researcher background. I have my PhD, and so I kind of applied that in motherhood, so I read a ton of books, and I was borderline neurotic, you know, so I'm making my own baby food, everything's organic, I'm like the, you know, trying to be this Pinterest perfect mom with all my, you know, detailed, uh, 
just across the board, going kind of crazy with kids' birthday parties and being a volunteer. Anyways, I got to the point where I did that so much that I was just, I was burnt out. And I, um, and I, it came to a head when I fell into this deep depression and I sought out um, counseling and the counselor asked me what should be a very simple question. It was, you know, well, what do you do for fun? And I literally, it was a complete blank for me. And it was a wake up call because I was like, oh my gosh, I do nothing for fun. I do nothing that's just for me. And that that was a part of why I was kind of spiraling into this depression. And then when I was depressed, I was the worst version of a mom and I felt awful, you know, lots of guilt associated with that. And, um, and I would hate for other moms to feel that same way. And I'm, I know that it's very commonplace that I think it's one in seven women wind up suffering from postpartum depression. And even after that, if it goes untreated, it turns into um, longer term depression. And, um, and for me, it was largely because of this lack of purpose in my life outside of my kids and um, just not doing anything as far as self-care, you know, go, going for days without showering, you know, <laughs> all, all kinds of things that are just very basic things to take care of oneself. And, um, and because of all of these, you know, kind of societal images of what a mom's supposed to be and how great moms can be and all of the social media showing all these kids that are doing so many things. I think it's very common for women to feel like they're falling short when in reality, we're all just trying to do our best, you know, and there's no one perfect mom. You're the best mom for your child and you know what's best for your kid. So, Absolutely. And I like that you sought out help because some moms, they don't want to seek out help from a therapist or outside sources because they think it's a sign of weakness when in actuality, in my opinion, I think it's a sign of strength because you're saying, okay, I recognize where I am. It's not where I need to be. And I'm not being the optimal version of myself. And I feel a certain way. Did you have anyone that was in your corner that said, Susie, you're spiraling down, or maybe you should talk to someone, whether it was your mom, a close friend, or maybe even your husband, because sometimes when our body language changes, or when the way we react to certain um, situations change, that's an inclination that something is going, going on inside of us, so that internal is not lining up with the external, so there's a disconnect. Yes, um, I definitely, you know, having spoken with a close friend of mine at the time, or a couple of close friends, and my husband, and we were all basically in agreement that this was something that I needed, and, um, but it, I probably delayed it a lot longer than it should have been, you know, and I think it's because when you're in the, the depths of depression, you're just not motivated to do anything even if you know that it's going to better your situation potentially. And um, yeah. So do you, um, 
Well, one thing I want to back up with, because some people who have depression after um, pregnancy, they may have had anxiety or some spurts of depression while they were carrying their child. And that could also play into the postpartum depression is what I heard. So did you have any um, anxiety, any form of depression or et cetera, when you were carrying your children? I actually did not really have the depression when I was carrying my kids. Um, that uh, I had a very tough year when my son was about one and a half, two years old when he had, and my husband used to travel a lot for work and he had an especially difficult year where he was traveling about five out of six days of the week for a solid year. And um, during that time, and then when he was home, he was just exhausted. So he would do something kind of for himself, like go golfing, or he would be sleeping. <laughs> and so he was no help to me, basically. So I was kind of the single married mom for a year. And on top of that, my son was having some really terrible, terrible twos. And I always say to people, um, it's kind of joking, but it's also kind of serious that I'm glad that I had my daughter first because if I had my son first, I'm not sure that I would have had another. He was that difficult of a child. And um, now, now he's you know so much better, but in his one and a half, two years old, he was a headbanger. So that's, a, so when you have, yes, when you have a temper tantrum, he would throw himself on the floor, hit his head, you know, sometimes scoot himself. So he would hit his head into a wall um, once he even ran head first into a wall. So he would have just these epic tanter, temper tantrums every day. And I, because I was afraid of him hurting himself, I would be holding him straitjacket style, like sometimes for a half an hour at a time, right? And while he's flailing and screaming and hitting me, and um, it was physically and emotionally exhausting. And at the time, my, you know, my husband was not helped to me. And my husband and I also had different parenting philosophies. So he felt like my son reacting in this way could be a reflection of me being like an overparenter, you know, a little bit too much of the attachment parenting methods. And so I was almost being blamed a little bit for his behavior. And it just, you know, made me feel worse. I, you know, that was not reassuring at all. And um, so that it was from after that year, it, when my husband finally returned and no longer had this crazy work thing, I remember it was around Thanksgiving time. And it was like, I could finally just let go. I didn't have to keep everything together. Um, and 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 that was when I basically stopped functioning for a little while. It was like when he came back in the picture, it's like, oh, I could kind of breathe again and let myself go. Because when you are married, but your spouse is constantly traveling and on the go, it's like you're the mom, you're the dad, you're everything. So you can't afford to fall apart because it is just you in that moment. And I think that could be hard for, for women. And they may not want to seek help from other people because you're like, okay, I'm a mom. 
I made these kids. This is my responsibility. When in actuality, sometimes you may just need to, you know, go put that um, kid in an after aftercare program, go get your nails done, go get a massage or do something like that. But some women feel like they can't do that because they feel guilty, like, oh, I'm going to be away from my child or whatnot. When in actuality, we're not superhumans. We're not, we don't, we weren't born with the S on our chest. We need some time to practice self-care. And as you know, we're currently in mental health awareness month and people don't realize that external factors can affect our mental health which can affect us emotionally physically mentally and spiritually where we're not able to fire on all cylinders so we're misfiring and before you know it you have that boom where something blows up And if you look at a car analogy, it's the car's engine that blows up whenever you don't pay attention to those warning signs. So you knew enough to to get help. But for those mothers who may be listening to this segment, what are some tips and tricks that we could share with them to let them know you need to practice self-care and you also need to set up boundaries, boundaries with your children, boundaries with your mate, and boundaries overall, because not only is it a sign of respect, but it also gives you a leeway to really take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, how good are you going to be for other people? Yes, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's just like the um, flight attendant mantra, right? You have to put on your your mask before helping other people. Otherwise, you're not going to be of any service to them. And um, for as far as setting boundaries, I think that that's so, so crucial. Um, we've definitely had topics in the rooms that I host on Clubhouse where we talk about um, how to say no, you know, that an honest no is better than a reluctant yes. So if you're about to say yes to somebody, but you have that inner hesitation because you're like, oh, that means that I'm going to have to take this X, Y, and Z away from things that I need to do. Um, that should be a sign that you say, you know, let me look at my schedule, you know, or let me get back to you on that one. Or, you know, I can't do that for you right now, or maybe I could point you to a different resource. But I, I think that it's so important that women reclaim no and feel confident in saying that without, without necessarily, you know, Uh, I'm forgetting, (laughs) I'm blanking on the word, but um, making excuses for it, you know, because it's okay. You know, you, you saying no to that person is oftentimes saying yes to other priorities that are more important to you in your life. And that is equally important. And for many people, you know, a lot of women make the excuses like, oh, but they have nobody else to turn to, but that's not true, you know, and a lot of people are just like you are resourceful, can have other friends and family to turn to. They have, um, and sometimes they just need a little push to do things more independently. Same thing with saying no to your children, you know? And that is something with the whole mom and like a savage idea. It is, it is okay for you to have your kids do things for themselves. That's going to make them more independent. Same thing for it's okay for you to tell your husband or partner, you need to do X, Y, Z. You need to pick up your end of the load here because I can't do this on my, on my own. 
So absolutely that open line of communication and not feeling guilty or remorseful when you say no, because sometimes people see no as a negative connotation, but it's what society conditions no to be. And I like to put a spin on no. No just means next opportunity, new opening, or not on time, or whatever the case may be. Find your optimistic version of no and stick to it so you don't allow yourself to operate in a mindset that is negative whenever you say, oh no, if I say no, what are they gonna think? What are they gonna say? That's not your problem. Your focus is you. Then it becomes your children, if you wanna put them next, or your partner, and then your your other relationships. But know where you stand. And I love the airplane analogy because I often use that. So Dr. Susie, I want you to share a little bit more about momming like a savage because I'm like, she ready, like Tiffany Haddish would say, (laughs) because I think more moms need to mom like a savage and that's okay because you see the dads, dad and like a savage, they have no problem setting boundaries. They have no problem saying, oh babe, peace, I'm going to um, go watch the game with the guys or I'm going to play golf or whatnot. And we never think twice to question what they're doing or saying, oh, you can't go because I want to have a day out because we feel like we could do it all. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the whole concept, so there's two things, I think. The kind of modern day definition of what a savage is, you know, like no holds barred, you say what you want, you know, you're, confident and assertive and you know all of that and then there's also the savage of like we're kind of operating in this jungle where there's just so much uncertainty and like you know we we're dealing this with these wild beasts our kids right and and so that's kind of what came to mind when I came up with this idea and it was like we are we are like the protectors, we are all of these things, but we're also powerful and we need to, you know, exert that power and we need to like stand in that power and feel um, confident and okay with saying, you know, saying that no, or, you know, demanding respect and um, yeah. Yeah, because when you demand respect and you have that power pose, whether you're physically putting your hands on your hip and doing it, or if you walk around with that confidence, they're going to know this is a woman, this is a mom, this is whatever title you are that knows how to hold and hold and carry her own. And now I want to get into your new brand, because I think that is amazing. And congratulations, Dr. Susie. Talk about that for a little bit. Yes. So so about a year ago, so and I didn't even go into this earlier, but about a year ago, I was having kind of this personal life crisis, and um, it started with uh, a like many big awakenings do, a big fight, right? A big fight between me and my partner about politics. And it um, escalated to the point where it was honestly, it, it like shook the foundation of my marriage, right? And I thought, oh my gosh, 
I, at, at any moment he could, we could get a divorce and he could swoop the rug out from under me. Right. And, um, I was like, after that huge fight, I realized that I was not talking about things like politics or my opinions because I was just always trying to keep the peace, you know, and I was kind of just this people pleaser to a fault. And as a result, I made my voice really, really small. And I said, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have this small voice anymore. I'm going to talk about the things that are important to me. And I'm going to yell about the things that are important to me. Right. And I started doing that. I got really political. And unfortunately, I wound up losing a lot of friends in the process because when you are the person on the sidelines, just always nodding and agreeing, it's very easy to be friends with you. But when you're a little bit more in people's face and with your opinions, not everybody likes that, right? And um, so I came up with this idea that I am not gonna play things small anymore. I'm gonna start talking about the things that are important to me. I need to find my own thing that's going to make me money because what if things you know like I kind of came to this conclusion that longevity doesn't necessarily mean security you know there's a reason why so many marriages end in divorce into you know when their kids are in their 20s right and I was like I need to have I need to be financially independent you know so there's this saying um in Jamaica that it's I, I stand in love, right? Instead of I fall in love. And the idea is that we can be in love, but it doesn't mean that I'm down here dependent on you to hold me up. I can stand on my own two feet and be in love with you. That means I am independent in many ways in my own life. Um, and so I came to the conclusion that I need, I need to have more of that, right? And I didn't. And so I came up with this idea that I need to start living my life more like a savage, right? I am no longer going to be anybody's doormat. I'm going to start talking about the things that are important to me. I'm going to be my authentic self because I wasn't really being my authentic self. I was being kind of like the shell of who I was. And um, so that was where the idea came from. And I was like, you know what? I guarantee you that other people feel the same way, you know, that people feel like they're not in the driver's seat of their own lives. And I was like, there are other people that are moms that want to be mom and like a savage, you know, they, if they are, you know, doing anything, you could do it more like a savage, right? And so I was like, I can imagine this being a brand. And so that was kind of the birth of it. I was like, you could do anything like a savage. Like, let's say even running, you know, I used to run and track. I, yeah. I was like, if I actually took on running and like started timing myself, started like sprinting at the end, you know, anything you could just do a little bit more savagely. And um, so that was the birth of the name. And I, I trademarked it. And, or I'm actually still in the process, <laughs> I'm trademarking it. And um, I created a shop, which is shoplikeasavage.com. And 
you know, I'm brand new to this whole e-commerce thing. So I am figuring it out as I go and learning. I've learned a lot on Clubhouse and internet research and created my own Shopify account. And I don't know, I, I feel like this is something that I was doing for myself, but I'm also hoping that it's a little bit of, you know, inspiration to other women that you can do anything, you know, like if you set your mind to it, go ahead. That is amazing, um, Dr. Susie. And I'm going to have to have you back for a part two. But <laughs> now we're down to our final wire. So we have like a minute remaining in the talk. So I want you to go ahead and plug your contact information with the, um, yeah, we're at a minute and 11 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a talker. <laughs> no worries. So tell the audience how they could connect with you on social media. Yes, so you can find me across all social media as Suzy Talk. So S U Z I T A L K. And that's also my blog is suzytalk.com. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast, Dr. Susie Dean. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. And until next time, peace and love and lots of blessings. We'll have her back for a part two since we're running out of time. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.